Okay, how many of you have had conversations like that or have been a part of them? Some of your kids are just too little to have gone there yet, but the first time you get just lamb-blasted with a question, it's, um, it's pretty scary. So we're going to try to go, woo, we're going to try to go solo right now. Um, um, I am Jeannie Cox. I am happy, happy to be here with you today. And when we used to do mops, we used to call it a mother's heart. We would always start out with a tip of the day. So my tip of the day is to have a little book bag or a little thing from Target, some sort of container. And in that container, every month, have a theme of the month. And in that, within that theme is contained kind of what you're aiming at that month in terms of topics of books you want to be reading. So go to the library, go through your library at home, go through um, your friend's bookshelves, um, especially older moms who don't have kids who read picture books anymore, and find books you want to read. And so this, this month being February, I want to challenge you in terms of coming out of this talk to find books, to find resources that help teach you about God's design for creation and God's design for how he wants us to fill and multiply the earth and how what we can learn about the animals, what we can learn about nature. Some of my favorites, um, and you can these, we'll put these out on the website or they'll be in the talk list, baby animals. I'm thankful each day. Little, where's my baby? A little pop-open picture book. And as my kids were growing up, um, one of the older moms in my life encouraged me to get a book of books, uh, just a whole bag of books, and have that around your house so that you could sit down, read 20 minutes a day, really try to pour into them. Some of my favorites, too, are also um, some of the American Girl Doll books about your emotions and about, you know, how my body's made. As my girls have hit puberty and hit adolescence, those have been great just to leave by their bedside. I think they're well done, and they give you great things to talk about the link between their emotions and what their body's doing. Um, All of these nature books um, are really sweet. This one, you know, when it comes pumpkin time, there's a thousand pumpkin books out there. This one is about seeds. It's called um, Too Many Pumpkins, and it's awesome in terms of what we're talking about. And any book about seeds will help you segue back into what you're going to learn today. And in every avenue of life, whether it's when they're taking a bath or when you're cooking, which we'll talk about later, whether you're reading with them, always look for segues to God's design and how he made the world. And just have your little bucket of books. So that's my challenge to you. One of my favorite to keep in there or to have with them, especially when I'm pregnant. Raise your hand if you're pregnant and you're carrying a baby in here. What to expect when you're expecting. It was like my Bible for me when I was first pregnant and having kids. And pull your kid into that. Be able to show them illustrations of what's going on inside your body and how God is designing another creature just like you. And that he put the material in there to do that. You'll have the vocab to do that hopefully after we get started today. But I do want you to relax today a little bit because today is a first conversation. And this is a conversation you're going to have with your kids over and over and over, right into adulthood, right into marriage. And then they're going to come back and double check on what you told them and how that reconciles with what they believe to be true, what they found to be true about your mom and dad. Um, One of my favorites recently is this um, Nick, uh, I can't say his name, Vujicek. I can't say that, but he's come and spoke here at Watermark before. And this is the story of his love story and how God brought him a wife and a helper completer, a helper suitable for him. He doesn't even have arms and legs. And so you're wondering how the math works on that. They have a child. I mean, the Lord in his mercy, he makes all things right and all things beautiful. And this is a great love story to read with your kids. And, and in stories, just pick out 
the segues into you just drip, 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 talking to them about God's design for intimacy. Now, um, I have a lot of other books in there. You're welcome to come look after, and then we'll have them listed up with the resources later um, today. Now, of you people who walked in the room today, and I'm so thankful you're here. You are the choir. I am preaching to the choir. The fact that you went through what you had to get through to make it here today to check your babies in. A lot of you in green shirts brought food or leading tables. I know I've got a room full of hitters today. I've got a room full of women who want to do right before God to their husband and to their children. So relax. You're here. You're going to pick up maybe two or three things, two or three tools that you can use. It's going to be great. You can um, take them home and start using them and talk about them with your husband. So, but this is the beginning of the conversation. Now, how many of you in the room, raise your hand, if you felt like you came into marriage well-equipped to cook and to step into the kitchen and kind of put food on the table on any given night? Did your mom or your grandma or somebody teach you to cook? Raise them high. Could you other people give them a hand? Because their people, their people taught them to cook. How many of you came in and you had no clue? You're shopping Pinterest. You're shopping the grocery aisle. You're calling your friends. You're looking... You just, your mom just, she might have cooked, she might not have, no blame or shame, but she did not impart that knowledge to you. Raise your hand. Okay, that's about, it's about half and half. And you know what? The same is true about intimacy and sex. Some of us come in, come from families where that was an open topic and we could talk openly and honestly with our parents. They talked to us about it. Some of us come from families where it was just never brought up and we're kind of blank slates. What we've been doing, if this is your first time, in, at the nest is we've been trying to reclaim some of the areas of our life that just either through neglect or through misinformation, the world has kind of taken over. Okay, so Suzanne taught us about fear and how to reclaim fear and make it godly fear that leads us to wisdom and understanding. Okay, Millie talked about discipline and how discipline is training and how we're called to train their hearts, right? Um, Mandy came up at the first of the year and just talked about how we are to take ground, we are to make war. Allison came up and talked about just helping us take control of our mind and our thoughts and putting, just putting ourselves in the path of grace and being that living water, letting that living water, I can still remember from her talk, where living water is pouring in and just flooding out everywhere and how we really have to claim the battle for our identity and our minds in Christ. And today, we're going to start talking about how God designed men and women And that's his design. It's the very first thing he tells about us in scripture. And the very first commands we've been doing, some of us have been doing the study that I know many of you have done called Five Aspects of Woman. And a lot of times, like when I first moved to Dallas, I worked at a day school and we taught this curriculum called Child Lures. And we taught the children how to recognize a predator and how to know when they were about to be taken advantage of and just the deceitfulness and the trickiness that people might use, well-known, well-loved people, to get them in a situation where they could be compromised. And, um, but what we didn't teach them in that is the beauty of what God did create that to be. So that's more of a defensive posture. Today we're going to talk about offense and how you become the expert in their lives and teach them what their role is as a wife and a mom. And five aspects, one of the first aspects is ruler of the domain. You're mistress of the domain. You are called, the first command God gave us is rule, subdue, multiply, and fill. Okay, so he's basically saying have sex. Go, go procreate, recreate with your husband and fill my world with people who want to know me and love me and serve me and then rule and subdue the, the creatures that I have entrusted to you. And I want us to be women 
who play offense, who don't just tell kids what not to do, who don't just guard them and protect them and tell them what to stay away from, but inform them and fill them with what is right and good and just and pure, every good thing. The verse that we will end on today, Colossians um, 4, 6 says, let your conversations be full of grace, always seasoned with salt, so that you will be able to answer every question. You'll be able to respond rightly in every situation. Um, We want to be like John the Baptist, okay? In the journey, if you're following in the journey, John the Baptist saw Jesus and what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Did he just come up with that? No. He had been taught from infancy what his purpose was. He was to prepare the way of the Lord and he knew him when he saw him. Now, yes, he was his cousin, but when it came time, when he walked up to be baptized, John the Baptist said to Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We want to know it when we see it. And we want to be able to call what's right, right, and what's wrong, wrong. And to be comfortable doing that in any situation. Now, your table leaders, we did the fun recipe thing on who taught you how to cook. Your table leaders will take those emails and, um, and they will put them into a group email. And we commit to you that we are going to send out a group email. And all those recipes that you just shared, that you just heard... Hey, I love that. I want to try that. You guys can reply all to each other and get those recipes, okay? Because as easy as it was to stand and deliver that recipe today and to brag about, hey, this is so good, this is so yummy, my kids love this, that's the attitude, that's the posture that we want to bring when we talk about sex, right? We want them to go, yeah, let me tell you. And you get to stand and have what I call an elevator conversation, An elevator conversation, this is something we'll get to later, is if you're in an elevator for 30 seconds with somebody and somebody sees your watermark shirt and goes, hey, what's watermark? You want to have an answer that you can deliver by the time they get out of the elevator. And what we're going to develop today are little elevator-type messages that when your kids ask you those hard questions, you and your husband, you and your community group have prayed and talked and watched Mary Flo's material and read books, and you are informed that you can just give them the simple answer and the simple truth of what procreation, where it starts, who designed it, how it happens, how it works. And you're going to be equipped um, to do that in the, in the homework, hopefully, that you will do following this session. Who you are determines what you do. That's a maxim that we have revolved around in life. And by God's design, if you look at with me in Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the wind, the animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Now, all the verses in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, he could have opened up. He distinguished what? He distinguished gender. And in our day and age, that is a distinction that is going away. And just know it is by God's design that you are male and you are female. And each have very distinct roles. If you're clueless like me and you don't know what they are, go check out five aspects of man, five aspects of woman. Do a study. Dig in. Don't just let your Christianity and your Bible tell you what not to do. Gather and glean from it what it tells you to do. Okay, go through scripture and look at every reference to woman and what is her role and what's she doing. Um, You've got to know who you are. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over fish of the sea, birds of the air, and every living creature that moves along the ground. That's our mandate. That is our marching orders from the get-go. Multiply and fill. Basically, go make babies. Okay? And so you're here. You're making babies. Hey, you're fulfilling the call. That's pretty cool. Now, everybody doesn't get to have children, and you have lots of friends who don't. 
Can they still multiply and fill? Yes, because just like this is a physical reality, it's a spiritual reality. And when the Spirit of God and the Word of God starts to work in your heart and it starts to multiply, you want to go out and do what? Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey my commands, okay? And, and leading them to the Father, leading them into full obedience in a fully devoted life. Christ, you're multiplying and you're filling the earth with believers. And God always teaches us about himself in our physical arena. It teaches us a spiritual reality, okay? Everything we go through, whether it's sex, cooking, um, everything we've talked about has kind of a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. And that's what sex is as well. Okay? He also gave him the job when he ruled over every creature to name every creature. And let me tell you, naming implies authority. And when man came and he, God gave him the ability to name woman, there was an implicit sense of she's mine. She's my helper completer. She's made for me to complete me and to help me. And we're supposed to work as a team. Okay? God says in Isaiah 43, I have called you by name. You are mine. He's named you his child and his own. And we can rest in that. And who you are as his child is going to determine what you do with this subject. Now, our second call as women is just to do our due diligence. We have to dig in. We have to know these answers for ourselves. Just like every recipe that you shared around your table, you've got to know your recipe by heart so that you can stand and deliver. When you're asked, what can you cook for dinner? You're at the store. Your husband calls and says, I've invited some people over for dinner. You need to have a recipe in your head. You don't need to be standing there searching Pinterest. You need to know what your go-to recipes are. Um, John and I, John read a book in um, 2009, and we've recently reread it called Three Questions for Frantic Families. And it challenges you to develop a rally call. And so your rally call for February is to develop your bag of books Find some books, search your library, search your friends for solid, God-centered literature. And let me give a plug here. You can plug it into your phone right now. I'll give you permission. On the first Tuesday and first Wednesday of every November, the school our kids go to, Providence Christian School, has a book fair. And if you don't know what to read or where good literature starts, come. We will escort you through some of the best literature on this topic and others. And so it's open to anybody All the money that is raised goes to the scholarship fund for kids who can't afford to go there. It's good cause. It's great literature. But you have to be inundating your hearts and minds with truth and with things that will lead you there. So um, your your rally cry for February should be bag of books about life and how God designed life. And And as you grow over time, you can have a theme of the month. It could be spring for you. You could say, it's going to be love for me in February, and then it's going to be spring and how... Reproduction happens and how seeds work and how plants work and all that stuff for March. You might even choose April. I don't care, but get it on the docket, okay? Um, It's like math and it's like phonograms. This is Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 6, it says um, to all these things that God is teaching us, these commands are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bath time and bedtime. You're going to hear that a lot today. When you're cooking in the kitchen and making breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When you're making sandwiches. We're going to make a lot of sandwiches today. Tie them as symbols. Bind them on their foreheads. Write them on the door things of their heart. Um, If all they knew about sex, about food, about money, came from you and your example, what would they know? What would they know? Are you going to outsource that to the world? Because girls, what's happening in our world is we're just, we're um, outsourcing to the expert. And we've no longer 
We've ceased to be the expert in our own homes. We don't cook our own food, okay? We don't do our own laundry. We don't clean our own houses, okay? And what that translates into is also women who don't love their own men. Their men get outsourced, okay? So I'm going to take you to the um, outhouse for just a second right here. Now, I realize that I am speaking to a group of women who are tired, you are weary, you have babies hanging on you all day long, okay? That we have um, a lot of responsibility to neglect our mate. And my sweet, precious boy is sitting in the back of the room. And he can be the first to attest that he will get the dregs. He will get the bottom of the barrel. He will get the end of my lunch at best. The crust from the bread. And for us to not outsource that part means that we have to do our due diligence. And we have to decide to devote and make disciples at home. And this starts um, in Titus 2. Okay, this is what happens as we go through, well, in Romans 1, it talks about when we outsource. And I'm not going to read all that today. It'll be in the notes online. But the wrath of God is being revealed against the godliness, godlessness when we divorce and outsource. Our, um, the next slide is when we divorce and outsource. Read through Romans 1 and think about that in light of what's happening in our world. Because when we decide to not train our kids in the areas we're talking about today, we're putting them at the mercy of the world who will train them and inform them. And what happens is, in the um, next slide, if that, I don't know if that whole system went down, but in Romans 1 it talks about they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Okay, and that's what we've done, a great exchange. We've exchanged God's design for the world's design. And when you decide to do nothing, you decide to let the world inform your child as to how it works. Okay, and it's going to be skewed. Um, And what happens when we exchange the truth for a lie, it follows in Romans 1, 26 through 28. It talks about how their sexual, their first relationships that are affected are their sexual relationships. And it says men exchange natural relationships with women for relationships with men. Men, women exchange natural relationships for relationships with women. And what happens when nobody's training from the top down? Our hearts become darkened, our thoughts become futile, and we are given over to a very worldly expression of what intimacy will look like. And we are going to take ground here. We're going to reclaim that. And you're going to start the conversations today that help get God back in the driver's seat and him back as the designer of all of that. So that's what happens when we divorce our duty and we outsource. Okay. And we're given over. And that's, we can move on to the next slide. Um, What we want to do today is start to reclaim that. How do we do it? Why don't we want to do it? Okay, this is a very touchy subject. And I and I know some of us are just scared. We didn't have any model. Our mom and dad never talked about it. And we just figured it out, just like you're figuring out cooking. You figured out sex to some degree. You know how it works clearly between you and your husband or you would not be here today. And and you're making it happen. But how in the world do you communicate that? Some of us come from just homes where it wasn't talked about, and we either figured it out at school or from, you know, our phys ed class or from books we read or movies we read. This is where my testimony comes in. My mom and dad were precious. They taught me to love Jesus. They taught me to cook and clean. They taught me to work hard. They never taught me about sex or intimacy. My 
Education came from the Harlequin romance books that I read, the movies that I saw, my friends at school. I started my period at school. A friend there told me what was going on, told me what was happening. And so that's how I progressed through life. I was outsourced, not because she, my mom and dad didn't love me, but because they just didn't choose to take that on. And so some of us are just ignorant just because we just, they never talked about it, okay? Some of us don't want to talk about it because we're ashamed. We, there are a lot of you in this room, probably one out of every three or four girls that have been abused in some way. Here, there is hope for you. There's shelter from the storm. There's all sorts of things, resources at Watermark Region, lots of places you can go so that you can get comfortable in your skin. Lots of times marriage brings up to the surface the areas in your life where you were abused. And this gift from God was taken out of context. And girls, get right with it now. Because the truth is your attitude towards sex and intimacy is contagious. And you might just be making yourself go through the motions because you know that's what a good wife does. But you've got to deal with those demons that are in your heart. And when you bring them into the light, the Lord heals them and he redeems them. And then he uses that as part of his story. He delivers you from the dominion of darkness, brings you into the kingdom of the son of light and who's there for redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he puts you on the right path. And then you can help share that hope with others. So there is hope if you have been abused and that has been taken out of context. You don't have to be paralyzed in that. Some of us are just guilty. And for me, I walked out of fellowship with the Lord when I was 18 and right into the arms of a man who was promising me the belonging and the acceptance and the love that I so desperately wanted. I'd been a good Christian girl, crossed my T's, dotted my I's, and I was tired of wanting a boyfriend and not having one. And a man offered me, an older man, the opportunity to get what I was after. And I forsook everything I knew and I walked away. So some of us don't want to talk to our kids because a lot of the examples that we have are not ones we would want them to replicate. That's where regen, that's where foundation group, that's when merge comes in. You've got to learn and get comfortable in your story. Watch God redeem it. See where there was misinformation and misunderstanding. Accept forgiveness. Make amends with yourself, with God, with those who were a part of that. And then move through that story so that you can teach from it. Because as my kids can well attest, you can learn from a bad example. You know? And from early on, because I heard this talk when my baby was just newborn... I was able to just own my story. And that became a part of her knowledge of me from the get-go. So that when she came to those um, places in her life that she knew she needed help and she had questions, she knew she could ask me. Because she knew I had been there and she knew she could talk to me. And that's been true for my kids and I'm very, very thankful for that. And that is God's grace to me. Um, There aren't any excuses for this. If you look at Deuteronomy 6, we're supposed to train our children. Every girl you've heard talk in the nest this year will tell you, we cannot outsource this. We've got to do it ourselves. And so this is how we do it. Um, This is where I'm going to take you a little bit to the cleaner. We've got to set them a good example. Okay, like it or not, when you got married, your interests are divided. Your quiet times are never going to be the same. Your relationship with your husband now is never going to be the same because you're fragmented beyond belief between your child and your husband and your God and your neighbors and your friends and your family. That's just it. That's what Paul tells us. A married woman's interests are divided. So we've got to accept that. And we don't have excuse not to give love when it's in our power to give it to those who deserve it and who are put within our grasp. So we have to discipline ourselves to love our husband well. One of the most practical things Shelly Gertz gave me when we were early in community is she sent me this article on four greetings a day. When they get up, 
kiss him and hug him. When they go out the door, kiss him and hug him. When they come home, kiss him and hug him. And when you go to bed, before you go to bed, kiss him and hug him. Now, John took that to heart. And every day when he wakes up, he greets me. If my heart is resentful towards him or guilty or shameful, I can't receive that greeting and I much less extend it. And it is an immediate gauge of where my heart is towards my husband. He is faithful beyond belief at those four greetings. Because if you give him a list of things to do, he checks it off and does it. I, not so much. Because I walk around in guilt and shame a lot. My community group right now is reading The Wounded Heart. And it's exceptional for any of you who have walked through sexual immorality, sexual abuse. There's a talk from the porch on dealing with sexual sin from November 7th that is over the top grade. It's on Psalm 51. Get those resources. Start to deal. Because when they're coming across resentment and regret in your heart, It's amends that needs to be made on a daily basis and inventory needs to be taken. But four greetings a day, that's a gauge for me that tells me where I am in my relationship with my husband. The proper care and feeding of a husband by Dr. Laura. I mean, it's great. Feed their stomach, have food in the house that they like, and give them love. Physically be intimate with them in a way that pleases them. You come up, have a discussion. Most of you have come through Merge. What's their number? What do they need? And during this season, this is only going to last for a season, get on on par with your expectations of what your husband needs and how can you meet it and be realistic. Don't beat yourself up. You don't have to become a slave. It doesn't have to be every day. But love him enough to say, how can I best physically provide for you during this season? And then accept that answer. And then you guys work together towards a common goal. Um, Pray for him. Cook. Cleaning, laundry, clothe him with prayer. As you're folding his laundry, just like when Meredith was up here folding laundry, we do it all day long. Pray for him that he's clothed with Christ. And the most important thing you can do is tee him up with your kids. Do you know what I love about your dad? Do you know what I'm so thankful for about your dad? And the truth is, girls, as we're doing that, we become thankful for him. Our feelings follow our actions. And when we, in obedience, bless our husbands and talk about what we love about him, mine just struck me to the core of my oldest a few weeks ago. She told her dad and I, in no uncertain terms, we needed to go to re-engage. That all she ever heard from us was bickering about what the other one wasn't doing right. And she's like, I know you love each other, and I know you're not going anywhere, and I know you're not going to get divorced, but you kind of need to work on it. Work on it. And she didn't know how much John was loving me. I had just come through a 30th year reunion for high school where I went back and revisited that man and all those situations that I'd been in 30 years ago when I had put my purity on the line. And John had spoon-fed me and walked me through that, went with me, held my hand. I was a broken vessel at that point in time. Nobody was getting a lot out of me at that point in time. But she picked up on that. And she knew that I was just dead. I was kind of reading this wounded heart book. I'm reliving all that stuff. I'm just kind of under it. You know how when you're going through regen and you're just digging in the middle of all your inventory. And I had another season like that. But John and I were good. I mean, we understood. He was with me. She couldn't see, though, and hasn't seen for a while the day-to-day love. So we need to work on that. We have to model more as caught than taught. And my attitude towards him, the way I kiss and hug him, the way I embrace him, the way I look at him, the way I talk about him when he's not there, matters. And they pick up on every bit of that. So let's you and me together, let's commit. And let's say we're going to be devoted and we're going to be dedicated and we're going to be diligent to build him up in our thoughts and in our eyes and in our touches. And teach your kids to be the expert on your dad. What does your dad love? What does he like? What's his favorite food? Because you're teaching them to be the expert on God. What does your father like? What, is, what pleases your dad? 
What does he like? What just brings him pleasure? Um, John Piper wrote a book I just love called The Pleasures of God and how God looks at his children and what truly brings him pleasure. You know, what obedience is really deeply bless his heart. Um, And it's when we want to be with him over anything else. And so when God, when my Caitlin all the way down to my Lucy see me treasuring time with him and knowing what he likes and fixing food he likes, I think I fix fish every day this week. He hates fish. That wasn't too good. I did have some other things he could eat, but, you know, it was like, yeah, yeah, you can eat that pork right there in the fridge if you don't want fish. I'm trying to get him to be healthy. You know, we're pushing 50 and over. And Anyway, I should be cooking food and putting it on the table that he really loves and enjoys, right? And when I got married, I knew casseroles and I knew dips, but I didn't know clean and lean, and he's all clean and lean. Jack Pratt could eat no fat. His wife could eat no lean, and in between the two of them, they licked the table clean. That's us. And so, you know, I've had to learn some recipes, right? But you become the expert on your God. You become the expert on your man, and you model. More is caught than taught. One of the books in my book bag is, is Caps for Sale because people don't do what you tell them to do. Throw down those caps. But they do what you do. And when the man started stomping up and down and just throwing a fit, guess what the monkeys in the tree did? They started jumping up and down and throwing a fit and they dropped the hats. Imitation. That's what you're after right here is love your man well. Now, date nights, put them on the calendar, make time for each other. Let him love you that way by getting you out of the craziness. You know, swap off sitters with your friends. Um, Blah, blah, blah. That's my next slide. She's talking to us about loving her husbands. She tells us now I've got to go home and go to bed with him. That's the last thing I wanted to hear. And now I'm supposed to talk, go home and teach my kids. Am I just supposed to bring them in and show them? What am I supposed to do? Could you tell me? Could you give me a little bit of help here? Here's where, here we go. You need recipes. That's where we started today. That's where we're in. You need small little recipes and little elevator conversations that you and your husband develop, you and your community group vet, that you can stand and deliver when your kids ask you that question. And not only that, you want to be initiating those conversations because you see those little sponges on your table. That's what you have in your house. And that's just a little reminder for you to keep in your purse or in your diaper bag that it's a drip, drip, drip model. And when that sponge is full, when the world comes along with its misinformation and misguided untruth, that sponge is all going to be full. And you're going to see a video about that in a little bit. But um, we all need recipes. Bonnie Gigi's soup recipe, which my table's going to have. I think one of the favorite things that the nest could do as a blessing for each other is us all culminate, you know, a batch of recipes that are just easy go-to. Um, my mom's banana pudding. John's mom taught me to cook my first turkey and my first Texas sheet cake, which are staples in our home. And, they, you know, it's passed down generation to generation. Um, Caitlin, she did a cookie project for her um, semester project one year, and she was following the recipe, and I was there in the kitchen cooking dinner, trying to be hands-off, letting her have it. And with snickerdoodles, as you well know, it's a a staggered step. So she got all the ingredients, she dumped them all in the bowl, rolled them out and put them on the pan, and they turned out awful, because why? She hadn't followed the steps. And what I had failed to do as a mom is say, yeah, here are the ingredients, because a lot of us know the ingredients for sex, but what are the steps? What's the one, two, three, four? And that's what we're going to equip you, and hopefully you'll walk away with a taste of what to do today. Um, You want to know these by heart. You want to be able to stand and deliver. um, Know them like the back of your hand. It becomes natural. Now, people in my life, Lisa Harper grabbed me in college and said, hey, you got a message. 
You've got a testimony. Let's use it. She took me out of darkness into light with my sexual immorality and helped me use that as the tool, as the turn for her big talk on the gospel as to how desperate I was for love, how I'd looked for it in the wrong places, and then I'd found that Jesus was the lover of my soul, and that's what led me to the cross. And then, boom, she would stand and deliver the gospel. And we went all over Tennessee in her little car just teaching, doing FCA meetings. And for four years, it was delightful to get to walk with her. And she taught me to teach out of my darkness into light. Okay? That's what happens. Mary Flo Ridley came alongside. Our community group went. Tracy and Dennis Weinman, Shelley and Mark Gertz, Natalie and Beau Fournette and us went. We drug our husbands, went to Northwest Bible and heard her speak when all she had was no video, no overhead, just a blank sheet. You guys are going to walk away more than equipped to have this conversation with your community group in your own living rooms. We heard her and it was money. It was gold. So what I would like to do... um, Without further ado, is, is teach you, um, let you see a little bit of Mary Flo, because 15 years ago, her truth rings just as true today as it did, and it's just gotten better and more refined. God gave her this message 30 years ago in 1986, when she was put in a spot where she had to teach it, had no clue what to do, but the Lord gave her this message. And you're going to walk away with snippets of it today, and the opportunity via right now and via these videos and books to walk out with 10 times more than what I could tell you. But here is, um, here's Mary Flo on what we do and how we start to develop this message. So let's get started sharing these secrets of shaping your child's sexual character. The first step in shaping your child's sexual character is to know what it is that you want your children to know about sex. Now, you may already know what you don't want them to know, don't you? You, you monitor their screen time. You monitor their play dates very carefully. You put blocks on your computer, blocks on your cable TV, all of those things. You are preventing them from getting the confusing and distorted messages of the culture. And that's great. That's the defensive plan. I'm all for that. But what is your offensive plan? What is it that you really do hope your children know about sex if they grow up in your family? This is your first assignment. Come up with that message. When Dave and I went through that process, we wanted to incorporate our core beliefs and our closely held values. We wanted to really have this be something that our children would grow up knowing about sex that we would feel really good about. We want this to be a positive message for our children. So when Dave and I did this, this is what we came up with. And you're going to see me do this because this is your message. I want you to see it really big. I want you to see it like a banner over all your other conversations with your children. This sets the tone. This is the key first step. What Dave and I came up with was we wanted our children to know that sex is a gift from God for marriage. That was it. That was the main thing that we wanted our children to know growing up in our family. Now, you may come up with a different message. I have a very good friend, and she is a school nurse, and she is very concerned about the future of our children with regarding sexual health. So her statement or her message is this for her family, considering your future and your health postpone sex until marriage. So 
Whereas Dave and I were going more along a faith-based line, she was going more along a health-based line. And that was, she was comfortable with that. I was not as medically oriented, but I was very faith-oriented. So that was, that was just reflecting our different values. Now, when I was first starting to do this, I shared it with my sister and her husband, and they have two young girls, really little girls at the time. And I said, now, Margaret and Mike, the first thing you need to do is come up with your statement. What is it that you want your children to know about sex if they grow up in your house? They live in El Paso, and I live in Dallas. So a few weeks later, I called them and said, so how's it going? And Mike said, oh, we're thrilled with this plan. I love my statement. And I said, oh, really? What is it? He said, okay, this is what I want my girls to know. Sex is like that plug over there. You touch it, you die. (laughs) So his was sort of fear-based is what I would say. And I said, well, Mike, what about years later? Don't you want them to have this as a part? He said, no. Years later, someone else can change the story. This is mine, and I really like it. So there are different ways to go about this. And this is the exciting thing. Make it your own. This needs to be your statement to your children. The culture is so much a part of what our children know about sex. And we need to find our own voice. We need to have our voice for our children. Our children need to hear what we think about sex. And so what I want you to understand also is that this is, what we're going to talk about today is not really going to have to do with dangers and pleasures for the younger years. I don't want to impose a real sensual message to young children. That's not my goal at all. My goal is to share the basic biology with core beliefs. And that's our goal when they're little. Now, we're going to put back onto the table the dangers and pleasures of sexual intercourse later on in the preteen years. But for now, when they're little, that's not appropriate. And I want you to be assured of that, that I don't think that's appropriate. Okay, and I just think that's brilliant. I mean, guys, it was as crystal clear 15 years ago as it was right there with her. It has changed the course of mine and John's parenting. John and I adopted that. We didn't come up with any better definition. Sex is God's greatest gift inside marriage. And I quizzed my kids yesterday to see what they would say. That's what they said. Okay, it has a context. And just like fire or the ocean, think ocean at the beach on the holiday versus tsunami, outside of the context, it can kill you, right? And so you have to teach them an appropriate, healthy balance between the wonder of sex and the fear of sex. And that's what you can do with that message. And she will tell you, it's just a banner. It's just an overarching statement. And then let their little conversations come. Now, you come up with your own recipe. Plans fail for lack of counsel. And with many advisors, they succeed. So get together with your husband. Take inventory on what you want that message to be. She has a workbook, which you can buy today, where you start that process. You can borrow this video series from Watermark or buy your own today for $18. It's half off what their cost is because they can do that for you today. And their questions, and be informed with just the simple truth. And I love how she just called it simple truth. You have to deal with vocabulary. And you have to be comfortable with terminology. And if you're not, you're going to be awkward. They're going to think you're awkward. And they're going to go look for another expert. So the one thing she admonished John and I to do is you go out on date night, practice those answers. Hey, what would you say if Caitlin asked you what you call your penis? 
And then she's practiced, well, Caitlin, that's my penis. And that's what God gave me for. And you have to say the words out loud, be comfortable with that vernacular before it becomes easy to communicate. But you've got lots of do-overs. They're little. You'll grow up. Um, Two funny stories as we talk about our vocabulary. I can clearly remember my Aunt Re. My brothers are all older. They were out of the house before I started asking questions. And she was at my house with my cousin David. And we were all taking a bath. And she had given him a bath. And she got out. And I saw a penis for the first time. And I go, Aunt Re, what's that? You know, I'd just never seen one live and in person. And she was so sweet. She got down on her hands and knees. And she goes, Jeannie. That's what God gave David to make babies. That's a penis. And I'm like, I don't have one of those. And she's like, no, you don't because you're a girl. And that's all she said. That's it. She didn't give me the full Monty on it. She didn't do anything. She just, she just, but the way she handled it was just so precious. Is that I'm reliving these memories about how did I find out? That's how I found out. Some of you may have found out in very other more startling ways. You know, and that was your first introduction. That's where regrets and resentments and amends come in. You've got to know in your story what you regret that you did or didn't do, what you resent that somebody did or did not do to you, and then how can you be thankful and move out of that to redemption? Um, what's in the power of a name? Vocabulary. We're struggling with our fifth grader to no end right now that he does need to understand these 20 words they give him every two weeks and the other 100 that go with them in synonyms and anonyms, and he's just balking. And that's the way some of us feel about this vocabulary. We don't want to embrace it. But it can become really, really funny. One of my nephews who I adore, um, he, his mom caught him one day parading back and forth across the tub, looking in the mirror going, Meep, I've got a penis. Daddy, he's got a penis. He walked back along the um, little tub and then he goes, Mom, she and I got no penis. My sisters, who shall remain nameless, so you don't know who this nephew is, then I got no penis. Me, I got a penis. And he was proud of his anatomy. And, you know, we want to raise kids who know their body parts. And know, And she was just cracking up outside the bathroom door. That, that he was just so loud and proud about it. And we want to feel that way about our bodies, right? We want our kids to be so proud. We want him to know what to do with that and what not to do with that. But that's a later discussion. He was happy with his body. We want to celebrate God's creative genius. And if I could have known what I know now broken in there, I would have said, you know what? That's the way God designed you. That's what he made you to do. You know, and I have had bathroom encounters with my girls. I had very strong um, physical reactions to things like the spigot at the pool that shoots the water out into the pool, the bathtub. Nobody showed me that. We figure out how our bodies work and what brings us pleasure and what doesn't. And we need to put real medical terms on that so they start to come to us as the expert. I walked in on one of my daughters, and she had figured out what can happen when you let the hydrant from the bathtub hit your clitoris basically and your vagina area and she I mean was just having at it I mean and I'm like she's so little how does she know that who taught her that but I walked in and it was a split second decision but because I'd had Mary Flo's influence in my life and we were all comfortable with terminology I sat down on the toilet and I go that feels good doesn't it and she's like she had looked at me like she just had a doe in the headlights and she's like yeah and I'm like let's talk about the context for that God made your body so special, and that feels so good. And guess who made it that way? And I got to give God credit right there.
and go with her and say, hey, there's a context for that. It's like fire. You don't take that out and you don't play with that unadvised and you never play with anybody else's, you know? But, but we had words and we had vocabulary that wasn't just like, oh my gosh, I got to walk out. And then she's shamed. She doesn't know what to do. Kids are great at observation, horrible at interpretation. You have to be so ready with your answers that you can interpret those situations. When they see that magazine at Walmart and they don't know what to do with those words they're starting to read and they don't know what to do with how that girl's dressed, you have to interpret. That's sex outside of marriage right there, people. That's, that's not right. That's not the way God designed it. Does mommy dress like that? No, because we want to be modest. Why does she do that? Because she's looking for love in the wrong places. We want to be able to have those conversations with our kids, and you can, and you will. You absolutely will. So we're going to watch her little video on developing a little vocabulary, and, um, and then we'll go from there. Everybody has pet names for privates, and these are sometimes handed down for generations. You know, these are something they have always called that. I think that's perfectly fine, as long as they also know the medical terms, so that through the years as you talk to them, if you will use medical terms, you come across as really the authority on this subject. It gets a little silly later on when you're explaining sexual intercourse and you're saying these wingy-wangy words. You're really sort of diminishing what it is that you're telling them. And you want to come across very factual, very very much in charge of that conversation. So if you are uncomfortable with these words or uncomfortable with this subject, just practice. Just say it out loud in carpool line with the windows up. Nobody will hear you. But just say vagina. Say umbilical cord. Say them out loud. Say them with a smile on your face. Practice them so that you don't sound threatening when you're telling this story. So many words are funny to children anyway. This is just another funny word to them. When you have multiple children at different ages and and an issue comes up, I think the best way to handle it is to kind of go to the common denominator. Give an answer that the four-year-old could understand. If you have a four, a six, an eight, and a ten-year-old, go to an answer that you could feel comfortable your four-year-old hears. But then later on, readdress the issue with the older children and say, you know when that came up earlier today or last week or whenever you do get that next opportunity to be one-on-one with the older child, then take it on to their level. But it's, it seems very unnatural to me in a family setting to say, well, we can't talk about that. Answer something. Give some response if you can, but just on a lower general level and then go into detail with the older children later. Isn't she the best? She was a high school teacher, and I just feel like when I sit underneath her teaching, I just, my, my heart goes to peace, and I'm just like, you know what? This is not brain surgery. I can do this, and girls, you can do this. You can do it, and it may be awkward at first for you, but then you kind of develop your game, and you learn it, just like trying that recipe that your grandmother gave you for Texas sheet cake for the first time. It may be awful the first time, but what do you do? You practice. You don't give up. And I think some of the sweetest times for me have been bedtime and um, 
Dan Bailey, who also does Elevate Youth, who Mary Flo works with, he was telling me yesterday about the, he always asks his kids at night, we talked about how we put our kids to bed, and he was saying that he has three questions. You ask me three questions, I ask you three questions. And probe and ask them what they think about things that they've seen during the day. Unpack them together. And in the bath, one of my favorite things is we always sing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And as we talked about, in your day, as you go in and out through your day, let the cleansing blood of Christ, let the truth that we're off with the old, on with the new. And use those opportunities as, hey, you know, what do you think about that? Or, you know, do you have any questions about that? And let those conversations happen. Um, One of the things that I wish I'd done earlier with my kids is memorize Psalm 101. And I put this as the end of this slide. Um, It may not be up there, but that's okay. While you're making dinner, we'll talk about how to do that. By the time they can read, I would have Psalm 101 memorized. I will set no vile thing before my eyes. And this is clearly a do not, but it says, the deeds of faithless men I hate, they will not cling to me. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land and whose glory is all my delight. Okay, so you want to turn their eyes away from faithless men who take sex out of context and put them on men and women who do it the right way and who have a healthy marriage. And you want to focus their little eyes on what's right. And you become the expert. I would memorize that psalm. It's only like just maybe 9, 10, 11 verses long. I can't remember now because I don't know numbers on verses very well. But we memorize by the sentence. And over spring break, there's a devotion out there on the Watermark blog that I did on each one of those verses and how you can have some segues into some fun kind of hook book took and make it a family devotion so maybe over spring break as they get older know that that's there for you and you can go each day a little devo on that verse with your older kids and let the younger kids just catch it um, but know that you have to have those those day in day out conversations and use the real words okay you have to use the real words because the world will and then they'll make you look like an idiot for calling something stupid and and you don't want that okay now the next step that we're going to show, and this is why the sponges are on your table because it's just so pertinent, it's, it's the pool. The next tip I'm going to give you, like the book bag, when you go to the pool, wet your kid's hair in the shower before you go or when you get to the pool, and just put some leave-in conditioner in there or just put regular conditioner in there and leave it. You know why? You won't have green-haired children. When you come out of the pool, their hair will not be stripped and stringy and yucky. Your blondes won't turn to green and some fuzzy shade of gray or whatever, because why? Your hair soaks up water, right? You let it soak up clean, fresh water, put some conditioner on it to protect it, and then they get in the pool. And their hair is so much easier to comb when they get out. I have a bunch of girls, have four girls and a boy, and it's so much more manageable, especially if you have curly-headed children. But every time you go in the pool, that child, needs, their hair needs to be soaked and conditioned. Now, you don't have to do it every time. They can go in with dry hair. It's not going to kill them. It's not going to fall out. But if more often than not, you fill that little head of water and conditioner, you, won't, you will have healthy hair. It's the same with their hearts and minds. Their little hearts are like these sponges on your table. And if you fill those hearts and minds with truth, then guess what? When they come up against the chlorine of the world that wants to wash away the truth, and it's going to be protected. Okay, so that's another little tip for you today. And here is, um, here's Mary Flo's talk on filling the sponge. But you know what? It's 11.15. I don't know for sure that we're going to go there just because I want time for your tables to talk. I'm going to go through the rest of my outline. Um, she has 
all these little TED Talks in her step-by-step video, which you can own or borrow or see on rightnow.com. And they're priceless. And I really challenge you to watch them with your husband and then watch them with your community group and develop this vocabulary just step-by-step. I want to tell you... um, Having good resources is key. Lit and literature. Arena Larson has put together a website called Lit and Lyrics, and it talks about songs and it talks about literature that you can read on every subject. Mommy addresses. Okay, and I want you to go out there find some good resources. There's a show on TV that my second oldest and I have loved watching called Call the Midwife, and it's about babies, midwives delivering babies in England in the early 20th century and it's beautiful and it's perfect and when your kids have questions and they need visuals you may want to prep the show on on Netflix and watch it first but it is makes everything about labor and delivery what it should be right and so your kids as Mary Flo will tell you will have more questions about how that baby gets out than they will have at first about how that baby gets in and so it's a great way to kind of segue into what's going to happen um, but just be careful and don't watch it sight unseen with them. Know what you're showing them. And then another thing is we made scrapbooks of all our babies as they were being born. Lucy has the picture stacked up, but not really the scrapbook because she's number five. And on their birthday, we sit and go through them and talk about how God designed them and made them and brought them into our world. That can happen whether it's an adopted baby or your own baby. You can do that with your child and celebrate birth, celebrate God's design. Now, she's going to get to, and then we're going to get to answering the big question of not only how does the baby get out so her thing would be develop your message about what sex is develop your vocabulary introduce how the baby comes into the world first and then let the questions follow as to how did the baby get in there and that's when she goes to um, all the beautiful things from nature that God shows us now I grew up on a ranch Um, my dad my granddad was a farmer I got to see horses breed I got to see dogs breed. I saw cats breed. I've seen praying mantises on my back porch breeding. I grew up where I knew what happened. And really, that may be why my mom and dad didn't talk to me too much about it, because I got to see it live and in action all the time. And so I didn't really know how that translated into what happened with me, but I knew about it. And we live surrounded by so much concrete that we don't really know. We don't really see a lot of sex in action. And if we do, it's the wrong kind. Right? And so you have to, through nature, through the love of nature, through the books, teach them the process of reproduction through plants and animals. That's the way God designed it. He revealed himself. The kitchen is your best classroom. Seeds. Her definition, Mary Flo's definition, is inside every living creature is the material to make another creature just like it. We don't make elephants. Elephants don't make tigers. Tigers don't make alligators. Right? We breed ourselves because that's what God said do. Rule, subdue, fill, and multiply. And so you just see that over and over again. Um, What she does and what I brought today is I brought my cutting board. I coveted with myself when I saw Mary Flo's talk that every time I cut open a fruit, an apple, an orange, um, and especially bell peppers because I just love them. Every time I cut them open on my cutting board, I said to my kids, Inside, isn't this great? Look at God's design. Isn't it beautiful? Every time um, I cut open a pepper or especially an avocado because you got to kind of learn how to get the seed out. I butchered so many avocados that I can't even tell you trying to slice them off the seed till finally somebody showed me how to cut around and then stick the knife in the seed and pull it out. And when I do apples of gold, it's one of my very, very favorite things. And so cutting a pepper, like she's just cut it right down the middle. Just cut it right down the middle. Yeah. 
And then you open it up and you go, inside this is like thousands of little seeds. And inside every seed is the potential to make probably a thousand peppers from one plant. Can you believe God did that? How did he do that? And ultimately, those lead to conversations about how those same seeds are inside you. And deep inside every creature, God has made something so precious. And it's a mystery, and it's cool. But you're the expert, and you, you start that conversation with a seed. Okay? Every time, girls, you cut up fruit. Every time you cut up a pepper to make some dinner. Covet to have those conversations, and then that'll be a natural segue in. And we did, and it's worked great. I would encourage you to have a seed of the season. Watermelon is my key in the summer. You know, when I cut up on a watermelon, we talk about the seeds. Pumpkins are big. You've heard me do the pumpkin gospel. That's huge for us in our family is to use the pumpkins as an illustration. Um, Acorns in the fall and into the winter because things go dormant. And chickens when it comes spring. I mean, they're just everywhere. And so it's just great to let those be prompts. Um, Ask good questions. Set a good example. Love your husband well. Kiss and tell. With your husband, okay? Let them know that you love nothing better than snuggling their dad and getting time and being intimate with him. You don't have to use the sex word if you don't want to, but let them see you love him and let them know what you're doing because if they don't think you do it, when they have questions, they won't ask you. And um, I have a mom who has confessed some stuff to me in recent years, and she said that she was sitting in the car with her kid, and her kid was going long on all these subjects. She didn't really know where some of these questions were coming from. But because they had had the Mary Flo stuff in their vocabulary all along, the daughter was asking the mom, what does it feel like when he does that? Well, do you like it? Well, all this stuff. And she's like, this chick was 10. I mean, she's like, why in the world is she asking me these questions? Well, what came out later on? is that daughter's friends had showed her some things on the Internet that were completely inappropriate versions of sex. They were porn. And because she had the relationship with her mom and because her mom had already told her what really happens, she could circle back to her mom and clarify. So what you want to do, Mary Flo does it better than anybody I've seen, smile when they ask the question. And you go, I'm so glad you asked me. And then deliver the truth have your message, and then go, you talk that, about that stuff to me anytime because I want to share with you how it really works. And it's been great for your dad and I, or it's been hard for your dad and I, but I want you to know you can always come to me. So that's making a sandwich. Anytime you have to deliver hard truth with your kids, I'm so glad you asked. Thank you. Have a happy smile on your face, not the dough in the headlights. I mean, depending on who they say it in front of, it may be unavoidable, but the mother-in-law, it's kind of awkward. But you know, say, let's talk about that. I'd love to talk about that with you. Can we talk about that on the way home from Kroger? Because I don't want the checkout guy and all those people to know. Want to think about that? Um, use sticky situations from real life. All the time people are telling me stories. I changed the name to protect the innocent. But like just in this past month, I've had a friend whose girlfriend, her, whose boy's first girlfriend basically is leading him down this path. She didn't ever even think he had kissed a girl. And this girl is taking him further than he ever thought he wanted to go. They get busted in the parking lot by a policeman. The policeman comes, calls the girl's parents, sends the boy home. Where does he go? Straight to his parents' bedroom and go, guess what just happened? And he tells them, and he puts it out there. That becomes, for me, without the names and without the details, a sticky situation for my kids. You know, Jay, what are you going to do? Girl wants to be your girlfriend. You've never kissed a girl. You don't want to kiss a girl. But she says, hey, can we just go to the park and talk on the way home? 
What do you do? And you put them in sticky situations, right? Um, They're around the middle school right now, not ours, but close by. Um, There are boys that come up to you and go, now, are you a leg guy? Are you a boob guy? Are you some other kind of guy? And depending on what you say, they show you a picture of that naked part of another girl's anatomy. That's what your kids are up against, people. And so we got to be prepared. And the first time they see this stuff, it does not need to be the middle school locker room or on their iPhones. What I will close with before we go to your table talk is the best question you can ask your kids when you're having these conversations and when they come to you with things like my buddy's um, boy came to her with or like my buddy's daughter sat in the car and talked to you. Is there anything else you want to ask about? Is there anything else I can help you with? And then you will see them download. Because when they come to you with that tender matter and you handle it well, I watched my daughter just turn on a dime when she had confessed some stuff and she'd gotten caught. And Kelly and her small group leaders, we'd come around her and Caroline, and we were really working through her with some stuff. And so she'd come clean. And I said, honey, is there anything else you want to tell me? And then... Boom, the download came. So have that question in your back pocket and let them be comfortable enough with your story to know that you're safe and you will share the gospel with them when they share. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20 says, choose now, choose this day. You're going to choose between life and death. You will choose for your children life and death based on how you communicate these truths to them because they'll go out informed and that way if they do encounter abuse, they know they have the words to communicate what happened. And they can come to you and talk about it because you've opened up that door. And um, Colossians 4, 6, I want to start with again. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will have know how to answer everyone. Okay? you got to know how to answer. Now, girls, what I want you to talk about at your table on a scale of 1 to 10, how comfortable are you personally with this topic? Number two, are you on the same page with your spouse? Where... Have you continued to have these conversations as you've gotten married and into parenting? And what is one step you can take today that will go, that will help take you further down the road in terms of your next step, in terms of getting this vocabulary developed and this message? And know that her books are back there. The workbooks are $8. The DVD set is 18 If there's not enough for you, if we sell out, I would encourage you to buy maybe one DVD set for your community, or if you're a member, you can access it through Watermark. At what, it's at the end of your handout at Watermark um, and at rightnow.com. You can watch it all out there for free. And everybody can have everything I've said plus 10 zillion times more in her workbook. And there's also questions and answers for kids, questions kids have about sex. And it's um, $10. And so you don't have to get that. They're all available at Mary Flo, Mary Flo's website. And, um, but you can have that. And then so answer those questions with your table. And then we will um, come back up and do some Q&A. Okay, ladies. Um, I know y'all are having amazing discussions at your tables. But we have some great questions being texted in that I'm confident um, most people want to hear the answers to. So we're going to use the last bit of our time here to do that. Um, Something I want to bring to your attention. I know we've said it a few times. um, The DVD set 
and the workbook are normally like $35 or $36. We're selling them for $18 because we are not getting any profit off of that. So the only reason these resources are here for you is if you want to purchase them, they're way discounted. So note that um, they're back there. We only have one credit card machine. So if you think that you're going to buy um, buy any material, we have two. Great. If you think you're going to buy any materials today, while we'll do in the Q&A, please quietly go ahead and walk yourself back there and start that process um, because we still need to be somewhat timely picking up our kids around noon. So feel free to quietly get up while we're talking to start that if you would like. Um, uh, that members, again, we've said this once, but it'll make more sense now. If you're a Watermark member, um, the, the DVDs, the videos are available to you for free. On the bottom of your handout, there is who to contact to get your username and password for that. So make sure you do that. If you don't, you can buy the DVDs if you want, but if you would, if you don't want to spend that money, that's available to you. Okay. Um, Two things, and then we're going to get going, Jeannie, if you can make your way up here. If you lost your um, blue kid tag, I have it for you in my up here with me, so come claim it. Blue kid tag. We have a precious booty. Too small for my feet or any of my babies. Um, so come on up and get it. And lastly, um, we are going to do a drawing. Um, okay, Jill, or one of you, come here. Please. That was so rude. One of you, come here. Sorry. Hi. Would you hold that? Thank you. <laughs> okay, um, we're going to do a drawing today. Mary Flo gave us, um, uh, I don't know how to say this, the DVDs and the five workbooks that will be, um, we're going to draw a name, and somebody's going to win five workbooks and rights to the DVD set. The DVD set will be like you're checking out from us, from Watermark, like you're checking out like a library. So this will be, ha- you'll have to pick it up, unfortunately, from our um, our office. But we're going to draw a name and come on up if I call your name and you're going to get win the ability to watch the videos for free through DVDs and then the five workbooks. So you can do it with a community group or a group of friends or what have you. So we're going to do that. I'm going to hold it. You're going to draw. So drum roll. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay, Bethany Phillips. (laughs) Yay. Okay, Bethany, come see me after this, and I'll get you what you need to know. Okay, awesome. Um, Oh, John, awesome. Thank you for being here. Okay, do you have your mic right here? I'm going to hand you this. Okay, this is this. Is this his? Okay. Yeah, turn that on, sister friend. It's not on yet. On the bottom, there's a switch. Would you like to just take mine? Sure. Okay, one thing I want to clarify, the water spigot story, that was both true for me, and I had nobody to interpret that, and also true for my daughters. Okay, here's the deal. How you interpret that determines whether they see their body is by design, pleasurable, or not. And if you shame them, if you walk out of that situation when you catch your little boy or your little girl pleasuring themselves, mm-hmm. which is the vernacular that we got, that we use, um, then it's going to make them think sex is dirty. And it's not. It's God's design. He designed their body to work a certain way, just like it feels good when somebody scratches your back or plays with your hair. It has a context. 
It has a context of marriage. It's a private thing. We told her, look, don't ever show anybody else how that works. That's a mommy, daddy. That's a you know conversation within marriage. That's not something you would do for or with anybody else. And so you teach them the boundaries. But we have to show them appropriate boundaries. And the, the thing we've told our kids is the appetite you feed grows. And if you raise a child who regularly pleasures themselves, that appetite, it says, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. We want to keep that for marriage. So that's where you go back to Genesis one twenty six: rule and subdue. Your body has natural passions. It's going to want you to awaken it and arouse it. We ask you to wait, to learn to wait. Just like we wait for the blessed hope, the gospel to be revealed. So teach them, this is how you learn to wait. I know that feels good, but let's leave it alone. Here's some things you can do that are appropriate. Let mommy scratch your back. I'll play with your hair. You know, let's teach them appropriate touch. Okay? And you don't want to label that as wrong, ugly, dirty, whatever. But you want to have the conversation. And most likely, if you can find me the mama that can keep the boy from playing with himself, good luck. Because it's just going to happen. And the girls probably do too. They just need to know why that feels good. So you give them the conversation. And I was telling my table, that was their big question. 10 to 15 years later, we'll know if it worked. Okay, because we're right in process with you now. We're 9 up to 15. And so we're learning as we go. All right, uh, we have on stage John Cox, which is um, Jeannie's husband. So yay, thank you for being here. We only have two mics, so I'll ask a question and y'all can share or grab it from me. I'm not offended if you do. Okay, first question is always a big one. Um, Do you let your children that are opposite genders bathe together? And if so, when do you start limiting that? You want me to take that? Yeah. Um, I would just say that up until about the age of three or four, you know, it's pretty, this is when you're starting to have these conversations. But our kids, they they bathe together up until about school time, and then we backed off. I don't have a rule for that, but I do know that um, a lot of the stuff that I've heard from my friends that go down, go down from older kids to younger kids. And it goes down lots of times, boy, boy. You know, a lot of that because their stuff is on the outside and our stuff is on the inside. And so not a lot of stuff will happen. But um, I just think that stuff always has to be monitored. You'd never leave the room if any of your children are bathing together, which I did a ton. And I just didn't know looking back. I was just really setting them up. Bath time became a playpen for me sometimes while I was getting ready. And I let my kids bathe together. But I would just monitor it closely and always pop in and just be willing to have the conversation. But I would say after, I would say school age up to like preschool three or four, that's when we would stop. What would you say? Yeah. What do you right, think? So you, um, I think that was absolutely great. Um, so we started the conversation basically from the moment we're reading to them. We're influencing, we're talking about seeds, and we're adding that into our common um, vernacular and our conversation. But when do you start adding more detail to your education? Okay, so the two things you want to remember. One, um, left your own devices. You will wait too long. Okay. And, um, and so whatever you think your kids are hearing at that age, just back it up a couple years earlier. You know, so the things that used to happen when I was in college, they now happen in high school. Okay? And so everything has come back younger. And you want to start the conversation. You want to be the expert. You want to be the first one to tell them about it. Okay? Number two, you better be ready ahead of time because it's going to be unexpected when they ask. Okay? And so, uh, you know, I think my girls uh, were in the back seat one time, and all of a sudden they started asking questions about sex. 
okay? And so um, if you're not ready for that, right, you are not going to respond well. So I think those are the two things. And then, you know, I think it just depends in terms of level of detail. Um, It it, it depends on your child. It depends if they're the oldest or the youngest. Um, You know, ours have been exposed by friends to porn, okay? And so as best you you can kind of block that out of your own house, but you cannot follow your kids around 24-7. And I'm telling you what, people are giving their kids phones at like six and seven and eight, Okay? And so they're going to see it. So if you, if you don't think that they've seen it, you're, you know, again, I, you got your head in the sand. So start early. Absolutely. And the thing I would say is always answer what they ask. Always answer exactly what they ask. And if you feel that what your eight-year-old has asked is not appropriate yet for your four-year-old, circle back. And Mary Flo says this in one of her little TED Talks, circle back later. But always say, have you ever wondered how this happens? And that's where the sticky situations come in because you telling them a scenario and asking them how they will respond will always prompt questions, okay? So I would say give them more, more information by the time they hit school for sure. By the time they can read is what I would say because they're going to be on the aisles reading magazines, reading books, reading commercials. I mean, if you're watching the Super Bowl, it's there, mm-hmm. right? And they need to know how to interpret that. On one, our- one other thing on that, it just with respect to abuse, right? You also want to start with your kids by talking about what is appropriate touching and what is inappropriate touching. And if there's inappropriate touching, they come talk to you. Okay? That's really important to do that before it ever they ever get into that kind of situation cuz you just again, you can't protect your kids 24/7 as best you monitor their friends and where they go. And so uh, you've got to give them an understanding of appropriate and inappropriate. Could you give a brief summary of how you handle that, inappropriate and appropriate mm-hmm. touching? Well, there was the Child Lures course that the Lord in His mercy in 1997 fall dropped in my lap as a teacher at Highland Park Day School. There is appropriate and inappropriate touch. And anything that is covered by a swimsuit is something that would should only be touched by either... You know, if somebody's giving you a bath when you're little, a doctor, if he's examining you, but there's other people in the room, or when you're married and you just teach them. If it's inside a bathing suit, which would lend the point of what is inside the bathing suit, okay? Because bathing suits, let's just talk about that, okay? So girls, and this is another thing I forgot to say, if you are watching television shows that put out there and celebrate a lifestyle that you don't agree with, you're telling your child that's okay, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. They're interpreting what mommy and daddy enjoy as right. So if you're watching something and that's not how you want to live your life and not how you want them to live their lives, my admonition to you is don't watch it. In 2001, when our second was born, we took the TV out of our house. We put it back in in 2007, but very limited access on the third floor where we really had to be choosing to go watch it. And it has been one of the best things we've given ourselves in our marriage because our conversation at night doesn't revolve around the TV. We're not having to filter images that are coming by the millions. We don't have to fight that off in our house, right? Yeah, and um, three resources I just posted on our Facebook site. If you're curious, there's two books by Jim Burns that talks about, like, it's age-appropriate for a three- to five-year-old, age-appropriate for a five- to eight-year-old, how you talk about their bodies and how God created them and how they're meant together for um, sex. 
And so she may have a copy. And then there's a third one I posted that's called No Trespassing, This Is My Body. And it helps you, and it's a kid book that you can use with your child to read with them. And you learn the right kind of um, vocabulary you want to use around appropriate touch, inappropriate. And it gives you some visuals. And it's a really good book you can do. It's on our Facebook page now. Um, one more. If the first conversation about sex is what's wrong and what you need to avoid, you're off on the wrong foot. Okay? If all you care about is playing defense, hear us say up here right now, you're off to a bad start. Okay? If you're protecting your kids from what's not supposed to happen without them knowing what is supposed to happen, you're putting the cart before the horse. And there's a, this is Stan and Brenna Jones, The Story of Me, and it has age-appropriate, how conception, how birth, how stuff happened with very pretty watercolor illustrations. This was what was given to us. That's what I used. And every month, kind of circle back to one or two of these books just so it's in front of them. Awesome. Um, next question. How do you handle these conversations with the opposite gender child? So you to a boy and John, you to your daughters. Um, yeah, so we have four girls and one boy. And um, the girls, because they're older, are much more inquisitive, okay? But um, the way it will come up is things like bathing suits, okay? So we um, are probably the, you know, with you guys in here, maybe the last family in America that doesn't let our kids wear bikinis, okay? And so we've just drawn the the hard line there, but that creates conversations, okay? Um, Another thing that is a big thing is, is my girls can't go out with anybody, right, until... Um, that person calls me and goes out to lunch with me, okay? And so the basic line is, is look, we're not dating. The only time you can go out is if someone asks you to a dance and under these very specific circumstances, okay? So, but, but that creates dialogue. So I've got uh, my daughter and a couple girls in a carpool, and, and my daughter is always asking, hey, does your dad say that you can't go to a dance unless, you know... And, um, and the, the great thing is the two little girls in the back who are not believers, well, one's a believer, one's not, um, their dads would do the same thing. So it's preactive like that. That's how it comes up with my girls. Um, and my boy, who's only 11, um, you know, I have to be much more proactive, interestingly enough, with him. And so uh, I think that's just the nature of his personality. Mm-hmm. I think so. We, we have both have conversations. And I have encouraged John to initiate those conversations. It's much harder for the dad to initiate those conversations with the girl. But who do you want them to have as the resident expert? I talk, you can tell from listening to me, I talk very openly. The proof's in the pudding. We'll know in about 15 years how it worked. You'll probably see him on TV talking about us. But, um, <laughs> you know, it is, it's, we'll know. And, but we've gone long on full disclosure. Watermark, we're long on bringing it into the light, letting the Lord heal and redeem it. And so they know our story. They know um, what's going on. And, and I'm telling you, girls, if they're starting school, that six-year-old who's the, the last of five is going to tell the six-year-old who's the first of five. It's going to happen. So you want to have your interpretation in that sponge before the misinterpretation comes off, right? Yeah, yeah. and one last thing. Um, the good thing in my house, I am the resident expert on boys, okay? So if my girls want to know about boys, right, they can come to me, you know? And as much as my 15-year-old doesn't think that mom and dad know anything because we've never been in her shoes, okay? <laughs> I am still the resident expert on boys, Okay, and so I've set that up from an early age, and and want that to be the case, uh, you know, all the time. But we still need to initiate. Do you yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't, yes, if you don't initiate, 
Um, again, it's just being proactive. It's proactivity. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for all of that. I hope you guys have first steps today, right? Like she said in the beginning, she wasn't going to answer all the questions and give you everything, but you do have some great, a model to go with and run with. So you're dismissed. Thank you for being here and go get your lovely kiddos downstairs.